Hello, and welcome to episode 42 of Stories of Strangeness. No, we can't believe we're still going either. <laughs> but here we are. Life is a struggle. It, you're not <laughs> bloody kidding at the minute, blimey. Oh, well, anyway, enough of our woes. <laughs> Have we really got that many woes? We've got a few woes. I've put them in a box in the corner. A woe box. <laughs> yeah. Do not open the woe box. It's worse than Pandora's. Right. Anyway, this week is a Zoe week. Hello. Yes. That's Zoe over there. Over here? Yes. Me? Yes. Get on with it. Okay. Well, you were supposed to do the whole, it's episode 42. And I was supposed to say, the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. Yeah. But that's not the subject for today. Okay. Which it really should have been. All right. Yeah. Oh, damn. Mr. Trick. Wasted opportunity. I haven't even got a towel. Anyway, we're off to America. Okay. See you later, <laughs> listeners. We're off to America, apparently. Okay. In 1804, a farmer named John Bell Sr. and his family settled on a plot of land in Robertson County, Tennessee. The 320 acres of land along the Red River would become a thriving, successful farm but the comfortable life they made for themselves wasn't going to last. Mm. Do you know what we're talking about? No. Oh, I thought the name would give it away. <laughs> no. I'm going to tell you about the Bell Witch. Ah, okay. Okay, so you've heard of it? Yeah. See, I'd heard of it and thought I knew about it. I didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, I know a bit about it. Okay. The Bell family was made up of John Bell Sr., his wife Lucy and their children. Of course, there was John Jr. Because yeah. at the moment, everything we seem to come across has... A junior. A junior. And a senior. And a senior. Just to confuse matters. Including that amazing song by Junior Senior. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yes. Their names were, as mm. I have said, John Jr., Drew, Elizabeth, who went by Betsy, Richard and Joel. The farm also had slaves. This is relevant. Once settled, the family lived comfortably. John became a deacon of the local church and the farm prospered. But that changed during the years of 1817 to 1821. He and his family were to become the focus of a bizarre supernatural occurrence. Strange things began to happen. While working in the fields, John Bell Sr. got the distinct feeling he was being watched. Not wanting to show signs of panic, he straightened, slowly only to see a creature that looked like a cross between a giant rabbit and a dog staring back at him. Skinwalker. Ooh, I hadn't thought of that. Ah, 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 ah. It's always... It's always a skinwalker, yeah. He had no idea what he was looking at and not knowing what else to do, he... Farted. Shot at it. Oh, I was close. Not at all. There was a gaseous explanation. It's supposed to be being serious. It's oh. all like, ur and spooky. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Never. Anyway, it ran away. Yeah. Or jumped, hopped, I don't know. He couldn't explain it, so he put it down to being out in the sun all day, and his eyes were playing tricks on him. Although he didn't tell his family until years later, this is thought to be the first encounter with the entity. One day while out in the fields, one of the sons, Drew saw a bird on a fence post. It was huge, bigger than any bird he'd seen before, and he didn't recognise the breed. 
Bravely, he tried to get a little closer, to get a better look, but it flew away before he could get close enough. He too didn't mention it, as he didn't want to scare his sisters or worry his mother. Strange things also began happening inside the Bell's farmhouse. The family heard knocking. At first, they thought it could be rain, or children playing jokes, but it seemed to be coming from the door and along the walls, and moving as they did. Initially, they tried to dismiss the sounds, but it soon became impossible. They realised that some of the noises were stones being thrown at the house, but they never saw anyone actually throwing them. At night, gnawing sounds came from under the bed. They thought it was rats, so laid traps, but nothing was ever caught, and the sounds continued. Soon, sounds they couldn't explain began. The sounds of snarling dogfights, chains being dragged along the floor, and choking sounds echoed through the house. It became almost unbearable, but they did their best to ignore them. Soon the bells began to actually experience physical things too. On more than one occasion, John Senior woke terrified to find his mouth paralysed, unable to speak. Sheets would be pulled off the children's beds while they slept. The children's hair was pulled. They were scratched by invisible claws, and handprints would suddenly appear on their legs and they would cry out as if slapped. Betsy in particular was the victim of more personal attacks. One morning she awoke to find she was unable to lift her head. She tried to move, but was slapped, pinched and stuck with pins. She screamed in panic and pain, trying to move, bringing her family rushing to help, and they found that her hair had been knotted tightly to her bed frame, and they watched as they could see the clear outline of a handprint appear on her face. Up until this point, the Bell family had kept all of the happenings to themselves, believing that if they did their best to ignore it, it would hopefully go away. But they were then approached by a group of slaves that worked for them. They were scared. They said that they were being stalked by large black dogs and giant birds. The creatures seen by John Senior and Drew were still on the property, it seemed. It wasn't just oversized creatures, though. One day, when Betsy was out walking, she saw someone who she thought was a child from a nearby farm so she went over to talk. What she saw was a small woman in a green dress hanging by her arms from the branches of a tree. She was giggling and cackling. Betsy was scared, but it soon turned to shock when the woman vanished in front of her. Not knowing what to do, the family requested help of a friend. James Johnston stayed with the family and experienced the same things they did. He told the family that it was a spirit, just like in the Bible. But apart from that, it seemed he was unable to offer any help. One day, after days of constant noise, the family had had enough. They raged at the entity, demanding to know, who are you and what do you want? And they were beyond shocked when a rasping voice answered, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. It apparently went on to give details of a Native American burial ground that was on the farm property, and then sent Drew and one of his friends on a search for buried treasure, but they didn't find anything. Some claimed that the spirit identified itself as Kate Batts. Kate had been a neighbour of the Bells, but she and John did not get along. From then on, the entity 
which is referred to as a witch, was called Kate. But the voice began to talk more and often. At one point it recited word for word two sermons that were being given at the same time, 13 miles apart. It also seemed to have in-depth knowledge of the contents of the Bible, and seemed to enjoy discussing it at length. Another favourite pastime was gossiping about the Bell's neighbours. Sometimes it would seem to disappear, and then come back with more information. By now, tales of the goings-on at the Bell's farm had spread. People actually visiting from miles around, hoping to see something, or get to speak to the entity. General Andrew Jackson, who would one day become president, heard of the family's ordeal. He made a point of visiting the family to witness it for himself. He saw it as a chance to have a bit of fun and maybe experience the witch for himself. He came, with his party, bringing a tent and provisions in a wagon. But as they approached the farm, on a smooth and level piece of road, the wagon suddenly stopped. The wheels were stuck fast, but in nothing. They just stopped, and try as they might, they could not get the wagon to move. They went so far as to take the wheels off and check them, but they were fine. But once back on the wagon, they pulled and pushed and it would not budge. He threw up his hands and declared that it must be the witch, and in response, a voice sounded from the bushes. All right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. They could not find where the voice had come from, although they searched high and low. And as they searched, the horses started forward, as if there'd never been a problem with the wheels at all. That night, Jackson and his party experienced everything the witch had to offer. Covers were ripped away as they slept. The men were woke by slaps to the face. They were pinched and harassed, so much so that they packed up their tents, and those soldiers left early the next morning, having experienced quite enough of the witch, it seemed. He was later quoted as saying he would rather fight the British in New Orleans than fight the Bell Witch. James Johnston's son, another John, came up with a test. He needed something that no one would know, a way of testing to see if the voice was actually a person playing a trick. So John Johnston asked, what would his Dutch step-grandmother say if she thought a slave had done something wrong? And the voice replied, in his step-grandmother's accent, Hut tut, what has happened now? John was shocked. Mm -hmm. This was not the only person that the voice mimicked. An Englishman stayed with the family and asked to investigate. He mentioned his family and the voice that followed were the voices of his English parents. He woke the next morning again to voices of his parents worried that they had heard his voice. The whole affair was a little too much for him and he left quickly, returning to England. He later wrote to the family to apologise for his scepticism. It seemed that his family in England had been visited by the entity at the same time and they had heard his voice. It seems though that things settled in the house for a while with the voice actually being not unkind. Sometimes it seemed to actually be nice. He referred to Lucy as the most perfect woman to walk to earth. And when Lucy was in bed with pleurisy, it would leave her gifts of fresh fruit and nuts and sing to her, nursing her back to health. However, it did not like John Bell Sr. He referred to him as Old Jack 
and often threatened and cursed him, claiming that it would one day kill him. And it seems it kept this promise. On the 20th of December, 1820, John Bell Sr. was poisoned. John Bell Jr. found a vial of poison hidden in the chimney. Nobody recognised it, but it had the same sweet smell that came from his father's lips. So he gave a little to the cat, and it died. And as he did so, a voice said happily, I gave old Jack a big dose of that last night, which fixed him. John Jr. threw the vial into the fire and it burst into a blue flame. After that, the voice was quiet, until the day of the funeral. Laughter rang out at the graveside, and the voice interrupted the wake by singing drinking songs. This was the first time a spirit was recorded as the cause of death on a US death certificate. After John Sr.'s death, there was a lull in activity. That was until the end of 1821. Betsy got engaged to a local boy named Joshua Gardner, and the entity did not approve. The torment began again. Joshua was set upon every time he visited, and Betsy saw the woman in the tree again who told her to end things with him. So, with a heavy heart, she broke off the engagement. This seemed to make the entity very happy. It told the family it was leaving, but that it would return seven years later. And it did leave, and apparently it did return in 1828. By this time, just Lucy and her youngest sons, Richard and Joel, lived in the house, and it seemed they were able to ignore it enough that it went away, but some say it predicted both world wars before it went. There are many theories as to what or who the Bell Witch was. Some think it may have been the spirit of an overseer that John Bell Sr. murdered and had come for revenge. Some have theorised that the whole thing was a prank and that someone was using ventriloquism to communicate, this being very popular at the time. Could it have been a family trick that went too far? Or is it a darker story of wanting John Sr. out of the way to take over the farm? Or maybe the Johnstons wanted the Bells out to take over their land. Maybe they thought, hmm, we'll scare them away with a little murder so they could take over. People still visit the area to this day hoping to experience something, and many have. They report hearing sounds, seeing lights and orbs, and other apparitions. There are quite a few other historical facts to piece together. But first of all, I'm going to ask, what do you think? Hmm. Weird case is really weird yeah because there's a big signpost outside the the nearest village town with a whole like a whole plaque giving details of you know the location of the bell witch all this blah blah Mm. blah, which is kind of mad considering yeah 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 i tried to look up just now what poisons would burn with a blue flame and have a sweet smell and i've not managed to piece anything together that that kind of has both well one of the because i actually i did read an article on someone saying i think i figured it out yeah and she thought that it was a prolonged case of arsenic poisoning but arsenic smells like garlic not sweet see i've heard other things there was it was something to do with heavy metals as well mm. and yeah like mixtures and things yeah, there's like a, a copper compound can produce a blue flame. Yeah. Arsenic can produce a blue flame. Um, but it could have been mixed with something. Yeah, it could but have been. But the thing is, I, I thought, you know, 
he was saying how he would wake up with a paralysed mouth. It seems interesting because mm. you could just drop a little bit in every now and again. That Do the old be... the old ninja trick of lowering a, a thread from the Ooh, ceiling yeah. and then pouring a little Tiny bit onto drop. the thread and it just runs down the thread and be drops fair, into though, the mouth. If he slept like you, you could literally just tip a load into his gob and he wouldn't Oh, notice. you could put a funnel in my gob and just pour it in, yeah. You'd just go... <laughs> and you'd be done. Yeah. But the first article I read, everything was very... There were noises. Mm. They, he saw a, a weird creature, which could have just been an actual dog. Or a he jackalope. Could, you know, there was a big bird. There are big birds in America. Well, there was, there was a couple of, of birds I was thinking of for that, because there's the shoebill, which is really That's big horrendous. and weird. Yeah. And then there's that one that people think is, is a Mothman. person in a suit. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is owl. It the harpy? Or it's, yeah, there's yeah. No, a oh. type of owl or something. I it can't remember what like it is. It does look like a person in a suit, and it's yeah. terrifying. And they're um, massive. But again, to a small child, because how old was Drew? Yeah. Although, no, he was older than Betsy at the time, and at the beginning she was 14. Yeah. So he was older than 14, but still, you know, to a child... So I was like, okay, you saw a big dog thing. You saw a big bird. Okay. You saw a woman or a, a, some, a person in a tree that was cackling and laughing wearing green. Okay, fair mm. enough. Without like putting like a weird spin on it, all of those things can be normal. Hearing weird noises in your house. Somebody cackling in a tree is not normal. Doesn't matter where you are. Is that just me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but seeing a person. Yeah. Like in the first account, it was like there was a woman in a tr- swinging from the bough of a tree. Okay. In another article, it was like she was tiny and she was cackling like a crazy person. Yeah. It's like, okay, are you putting a. Chinese a, whispers yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, is it a bit yeah. more of a, oh, we're going to make it a bit more spooky. And then with the noises, yeah. they were like, oh, we thought it was rain. It could have been rain. There could have been stones. Things could have, like, you know, there could have been stuff rolling off the roof. That it could have been rats gnawing. It didn't necessarily yeah. have to be the bedposts. It could have been in the walls. Could have been the kids under the bed having a midnight feast. This is it. And all of those things, like, it could have been the other kids tying her hair up in knots. It could have just been the kids slapping each other and not wanting to get in trouble and then it was yeah. going a little bit too far. Yeah, yeah. There's so many things. And I thought, oh, the, the, the Johnston thing where he asked the question, yeah. if it was, like, his dad... He would probably have known that. Yeah. And if he was a ventriloquist, he could have, like, did the voice. Yeah, the only maybe. one that threw me a bit was the Englishman, although I couldn't find a name for him. No, but I've heard that account before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, the idea that his family back in England yeah, heard, heard the something. Too, so that's a bit like. But what gets me is the fact that it's instantly called a witch. And I'm like, this yeah. sounds more like a poltergeist. I Except the poltergeists don't normally talk. Well, no, but witches you shouldn't you shouldn't you be able to see? Not if they don't necessarily want you to, I but guess. You see, this leads me on to the you know the other things like piecing little facts together. Mm. So then I went on and, and read some other bits, and the actual history comes into play, and it's a little bit more kind of non not as idyllic as you know the story makes out. Yeah. So. The area was settled along that Red River by 10 families. Right. Now, I don't know if you remember that the entity identified itself as Kate Batts. Right. Yeah. Well, the Batts family was actually one of those 10 that settled in that area, so they were neighbours. Okay. Now, when they all settled, 
obviously they'd been traveling you know they all chose the areas they set up so the patriarch of the bats family mm. was injured wasn't well and died which led the bats family to fall on kind of hard times yeah. and to keep things afloat they sold a large portion of their farmland yeah to the bell family yeah now members of that family thought that that Bell Senior had taken advantage of their, of their mishap, of yeah, their plight. misfortune. And you know, obviously they prospered. They were doing really, really well, whereas yeah. other families weren't doing quite so well. And the wife, I believe it was the wife of, you know, so she would then become the matriarch. Yeah. Her name was Kate. All right, okay. And it was rumoured that she practiced witchcraft of course it was rumored yeah she if didn't go to church the voice basically gave her name performed all these weird and wonderful things yeah and but she'd, I, yeah i believe that she had died as well well that's inconvenient exactly so the family weren't doing very well at all no but she it, it was just believed that you know yeah that it was she'd always said that she would make him pay for taking advantage of their family. And it also turned out that she was the, I believe, niece of Lucy. Mm-hmm. Or the aunt. It was one way around. They were aunt, they were like aunt right. and niece. Yeah. And that's why it liked her. Yeah. So they were actually family members. Uh-huh. And because of the things that she said about Belle saying how he'd taken advantage of her family, he actually got a bit of a bad name within the community. Right. And, you know, I said he was a deacon at the church. Yeah. He was pushed out of the church, which he loved. So he he disliked them even more. Yeah. So there was a real, like... So no turning a little cheek with him then? No. So maybe it was her getting revenge for the the misfortune well Mm. maybe not for the misfortune of her family but for him taking advantage yeah and you know in that kind of community you you want to have more of a community spirit and like give as much as you can and help yeah but understand that you know everyone's going through hard times but for them they just seem to kind of you know Mm. they were living it cushy while everybody else was scratching it sort of struggling Yeah. yeah so yeah, maybe she was a witch and maybe she came She came back to give him a walloping. Or maybe one of her children orchestrated the whole thing and used or her name to... Maybe it was Lucy. Yeah. Maybe it yeah. was Lucy going, hang on a minute, they're actually members of my family and you're yeah. being an arse. Yeah, it could easily have been, couldn't it? So, um, Although some of the things in there, it's like, obviously we're relying on eyewitness testimony and things like that and handed down stories which may have... There is actually a lot, a lot of written for a while. records from quite close to the time. Yeah. You know, within within years of it happening. Yeah. So, I mean, the only things that I would be like, I can't see how they could make that happen. Like, the, the knockings and the sounds and all that lot could easily be done. Yeah. The wagon that wouldn't go anywhere, that's a weird one. That is bizarre. But then yeah. it could literally have been that, I don't know, maybe there was a some kind of stone in the axle that yeah. stopped it. And then when they took the wheels off... I was going to say, somebody 
knocked a, a little sliver of wood into the into the axle between the axle and the wheel. Yeah, but not as they're going along. I mean, like a no, boat. but they stopped, didn't they? No, no, they were just going along, and the, and it, and and the, the wagon and it just, stopped. It just oh, okay. halted. It wasn't okay. like they stopped and then couldn't get going again. So, yeah. like, I was thinking, could could something have flown up? You know, or you go, oh my goodness, it must be the witch because something bad's happened. And things like like the voice from the bushes. It's like okay, you could hide in the bushes and throw your voice. Off. But yeah, they would. Maybe, I would hope that a group of soldiers would go and investigate. Well, they did, but they mm. couldn't find anything. You'd hope they'd be able to look pretty well. Yeah, it'd be fairly vigilant. You'd. But then they all scarpered the next morning because they didn't like it. Yeah. But did they just get really, really drunk and then the family play tricks on them? Messed with them, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. You don't know. No. Yeah, that's yeah. Sorry, uh, Lucy was Kate Bat's aunt. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's a more likely explanation. Like you say, it could have just been. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 ways that I could explain all of it using today's technology. Yeah. But not. Not so much then. Not so much then. No. But yeah. Which is the weird part. Also, the weird bit about it coming back. Yeah. Seven years later, mm. they kind of just ignored it. But at that point, it was only Lucy and the two boys. So I guess the other kids had gone. Right. They, they were older because um, at the time of it finishing, like when when it left the first time, Betsy was 18. Right. So by then, they're all going to be adults. So the children yeah, yeah, would have yeah. left apart from the yeah. two younger boys who I think were like 17 and 15 okay. those years later because at the beginning yeah. they were like six and four. Yeah. Um, so they would have been home with their mum. And they, they turned up and went, oh, yeah, by the way, the voice turned up and went, by the way, there's going to be two world wars. Yeah. And they went, right, we're going to ignore you because we don't want this again. Yeah. And and um, apparently it did come back in 1935. Wow. Because it said it would come back in like 100 and odd years or something. I don't know. Bloody hell. And it did. And there was a statement saying, but no one in the town of Adam, which was the town that was close to it, yeah. could say that it actually did come back. Right. But now there's a cave called the Bell Witch Cave. Yeah. Where people go and see things and hear things and there's moanings and orbs and lights and all sorts. Yeah. I don't know. I'm always very wary of this kind of thing where it's like, oh, they go to a place and they see and hear things. It's like, if you're expecting to see and hear things, there's a better chance that you will. I see and hear things all the time in here. Yeah. But you're weird. But I just feel like that's just my brain collapsing in on itself. <laughs> <laughs> like a wet cake. Like a wet cake. Yeah. It, it's, it's another one of those things where it's it's from so long ago that there will never be any way of proving it one way or another unless the Bell Witch returns again and decides to perform yeah. on demand. That's it. Um, and she'll probably charge this time. Well, I would hope so. Inflation and all that. Absolutely. But I must say, though, it's, it is quite well documented, which is surprising for the time. And yeah. the fact that it was, you know, pretty much like out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. Weird case. Don't know. You don't know? No. Ooh. Don't know. Don't know. Because there was... Hold on. <clears throat> was it aliens? Could have been. Time-travelling aliens. Extra-dimensional creatures that are able to intrude upon our world in whatever way they see fit, whether it's just electromagnetic or physical or... I know what it is. Go on. So... Yeah. It was Bigfoot. Well, obviously. Has obviously... Yeah, speaking of Bigfoot. Appeared upstairs. Yeah. 
I've almost lost my train of thought, but that big old bird mm. yeah, was Moira. <laughs> in her crow outfit. In her Queen of Crows and, outfit, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then the, the dog rabbit, probably just some weird skinwalker that Bigfoot picked up on his travels and they just plonked it down. He went, yeah, I've learnt, I've learnt ventriloquism. Do you want to see? So they see him just sitting in the bushes going, hello. <laughs> and that crazy little woman, some banshee they picked up from Ireland. It's just, yeah, it's a menagerie. It is. Travelling menagerie. That's of it. Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Travelling menagerie. <laughs> Bigfoot's travelling menagerie. But there, instead time of like, yeah, menagerie. time time travelling menagerie. Extra dimensional time travelling menagerie. But yeah, you'd think that if they were going to do that, they again, they would have charged some money. They would have gone, hey, guess what? We've got this thing going on. Yeah, because well, I was going to say, nothing really bad happened, but yeah, he died. He died. I mean, that's generally seen as bad. Yeah, so he died and the kids got slapped about. Not only did you... But th- this is the other thing, right? So... The witch poisoned a guy when she supposedly has all these weird powers that she can make things happen. She can stop wagons in her tracks. She can pull bedclothes off sleeping soldiers. She can make sounds and knocking and all this kind of thing. She can make that vial float into the air. Why did she need poison? I know. Why did she need poison? And what do they say? Poison is a... Better version of clubbing somebody to death uh, no it's a woman's it's a woman's, woman's weapon thing, isn't, it? isn't yeah. it which is ridiculous but the thing being again you know this supposedly supernatural witch resorts to a very physical way to kill somebody exactly exactly which to me is the, the balance like that literally bunk, it balances bunk. backwards and forwards and then like, hides it in the feckin chimney but then someone else no like another thing said oh no they found it in the medicine cabinet doesn't matter where they found it but no, but if you're a witch that, that, that seemed to be able to appear without physical form surely you just pop it in a pocket and feckin vanish why would you hide it anywhere if you were a witch, you could reach into his chest and squeeze his heart until it stopped. You don't need to exactly. use actual physical things. Or you could just... Stick your fingers up his nostrils and cover his mouth. Grab hold grab of his bum hole from the inside and turn him inside out. That's how I'd do it. Well, I'm glad you're not a witch. Honestly, I, that's how I would do it, because it would leave people guessing. If you hold on to someone's bum hole and turn them inside out, does that mean their legs would be inside their skin? Getting- that you basically pull the inside of them out through their mouth oh, so that they go completely inside oh, out. right. So then they would, like... If yeah, you, their legs might kind of fold back in on themselves. Yeah, I mean, ideally, at this point, they've got no bones because otherwise... Your feet would be sticking out your mouth and your insides would be facing outwards and you'd be half the the, the size that you yeah. would be. You'd, you'd really have to deprive them of their bones because it doesn't work very well with bones. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, your rib cage and everything would pop You just want a flesh tube. I'm getting real, like, Beetlejuice vibes here. Yeah, like pulling. I'm also thinking I shouldn't have said flesh tube because. Oh God. That's got to be on sale somewhere. Just stop. Let's yeah, cut that bit out. (laughs) No. Well, no, because if people do like searches and stuff, (laughs) (laughs) and more fool them, they should know better than to search on stupid shit we say in our podcast. But yeah, no, that 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 to me says a member of the family did it. Yeah. Because again, if you were a witch and you even if you did want to poison somebody, why would you leave it around the house? That says to me that somebody younger panicked and didn't know what to do and tried to hide the vial. Yeah. And again, it's like slip it into a pocket, 
take it outside in the night and throw it in the river. Throw it in the river, dig a little hole, whatever you want to do. Just don't leave it in the chimney or wherever they found it. I mean, that just that's sloppy, sloppy work. Sloppy work to kill okay. a per, what was he a, per, a per, not a parishioner a deacon deacon. Yeah, my well, brain he wasn't went sideways. At that point, I don't think. I think he'd been pushed out. An ex-deacon. So, yeah. yeah. But no, that that really smacks of very much of a more physical basis for the murder. And had there been forensics around at that time, somebody would have been in a lot of trouble. Yes. But a lot of the rest of it, I don't know, because again, it's you don't know What's how it? long it was before this stuff was recorded, if it was word of mouth for a while, and then anything that's word of mouth to me is suspect mm. because it's like Chinese and the, whispers. And the, the family kept all, all the their separate things secret and didn't tell anyone yeah. because it happened over such a long period of time. Yeah, yeah. And then suddenly they're like, oh, yeah, actually this has happened to me and this has happened to me and all this stuff was happening inside the house and, oh, he died, I'll blame it on the witch. Yeah. Was it just that maybe he was really horrible? And the family yeah. as a whole went, right, we're getting rid of him. He could have been a domestic abuser or anything. And this, and this basic, this long, this four-year kind of build-up was Reign to of terror. get rid of him. These little bits, build it up, build it up, get rid of him. Yeah, I, it, to me it sounds more like a plot to kill, was it John? John. Senior, yeah. yeah, than anything else, to be honest with you. I was just trying to think then. I'm sure... I'm sure we've watched a film or something where there's like a really long build-up process and somebody goes through all these steps to kind of absolve themselves of guilt somehow to in order to kill somebody. Yeah. I'll probably something... have to cut this bit because I can't remember. Yeah, all of, but then something really simple gives them up. Yeah. But we watched so many, didn't we? Yeah, we've watched so many murdery-type programs. So like the, the Stairs... The, the, the staircase. The, the staircase, the pizza bomber guy. Pizza was, bomber? I call him the pizza bomber. He's the guy that went to deliver the pizza and then got the bomb round his neck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Horrid. The God. evil genius on That's Netflix, the, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. We just went through a phase, didn't we, of yeah. the Joe Bonet. Well, they just seemed to... John Bonet. John Bonet. John Bonet Ramsey, yeah. Yeah, that was... That was weird, that one. That was, yeah. I don't, I don't really feel like I got much of the background of the case there it was just kind of almost like a, a load of talking headshots of people going oh yeah i knew john bonnet ramsey and i knew the family and here's my opinion on that and that was about it really it's like your and it's like opinion people's is opinion is yeah nothing <laughs> is worth a pile of horseshit really but yeah and then we watched was it Whitehall Farm or white house farm i can never yeah, remember was, which recently that was which was good. based on a real murder that happened yeah. here in the uk it was horrendous which was very good yeah i mean as with a lot of people that are into this kind of stuff we're also into true crime and that kind of thing as well i would say on reflection my final opinion on this case is <laughs> i don't know <laughs> not a clue not a clue the thing is i feel like if i hadn't have been researching it read the the first thing that I read, I would have just gone, oh, that was somebody. They yeah. were knocking on the doors, they were knocking on the windows, they were making noises. Yeah. They saw some stuff that is actually possible and someone learned to throw their voice. Simple. Yeah. If I'd have read like the like third or fourth things that I read on it, I would have gone, 
Holy shit. This is mental, this yeah. This is like crazy stuff. So it really does depend It depends which... What, how... Because I think so often... Which the account first, you read. The first thing we read about it is that kind of sets our mindset. Well, there's a psychological principle for that, which is it's called anchoring. And it's basically whenever you are presented with a... Normally it's a value for something. Yeah. That's the kind of that's you you anchor that in your mind as your base level yeah. and you gauge everything else based right, on it so okay. if you go out for a meal and the meal's 25 quid and you go out for the same meal in a different restaurant next week and it's 60 pounds you start thinking you've you been overcharged why. yeah and it might not be the case it might be that, that the, the 25 pounds really yeah. yeah and again like if you go out the week after that and the same meal again is like five pound 50 you're like what ingredients are they using this is awful and this yeah. is the kind of thing. So, so yeah, so the first account you come across will kind of anchor in your mind as your base level. So if you read something that's like, oh, my God, this is all completely true and it's amazing and incredible, that's where you start from. Yeah. And it's not to say you can't change your mind. Indeed. But that's kind of you set a base level. Kind of like a chick imprinting on its mum when it comes out of an egg. Kind of, yeah. But not at all. No. Yes. Similar but completely um, different. No. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Well, I think that's really all I've got to say on the matter. Okay. I'm off to bed then. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please do leave us a review where you listen to your podcast. Yep. Tell a friend, tell a neighbour, all that jazz. Yep. If you want to give us a shout, if you've got any ideas for stories you'd like to hear, or if you have your own spooky story that you'd like us to read out for you. You can email us at storiesofstrangeness at gmail.com. If you want to become a part of our online community, you can find us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash storiesofstrangeness. We have an Instagram account you can follow. Instagram.com slash storiesofstrangeness. And we also have a website where we put a load of random stuff on there, I think. I don't. Mike does all of that. Yep. Uh, storiesofstrangeness.com. And if you would like to support us in our weird and crazy venture on this weird journey yeah uh there's a few ways that you can do that there are if you would like merch, merch. you can go to redbubble and search for zoe and mike all one word and you will find our logo on all sorts of crazy stuff along with other drawings that we have done yep many moons ago many moons ago if you would like extra content yep you can find us on patreon we you have can two separate tiers on there if you just want to say thanks for the episode you've listened to you can go for the first tier which is one pound a month and if you want those extra episodes which is a minisode every other week yeah uh, outtakes and time-lapse videos i always forget the time-lapse videos don't yep. i yep um that is the second tier which is three pounds a month if you would just like to give us a one-off thank you, yeah. we now have a... Coffee. So it is coffee.com, which is ko-fi.com slash stories of strangeness. And you can make a one-off donation just to say, thanks very much, here have some cash. And we will very much appreciate it. And if you wish, we will give you a shout-out on the show. Yes, we shall. Yes. And obviously be very grateful. Do we have a fun fact? I feel like we should. So, have you got a fun fact for us today? Yes. Are you sure? Maybe. Is it fun? 
probably not fun, no. <laughs> Go on then. We don't know where the word witch came from. All the etymology geeks out there may or may not be surprised to know that the word witch is of indeterminate origin. The closest and most obvious possible origin is the old English word wicca, which means female sorceress, and is the basic linguistic root for the modern-day pagan religion wicca, although the original was spelt W-I-C-C-E. Another more specific possibility is a split meaning coming from the old English wiggle, or wiggly, W-I-G-L-E, meaning divination, and with, W-I-H, meaning idle, both coming from the proto-Germanic word wick-jazz. So hold on, you've got a lazy wiggle. Yeah, so wick-jazz, which which means necromancer or one who wakes the dead. We should definitely bring wick-jazz back. Wick-jazz. Yeah. As like kind of necromantic witchy sorcery music. I just kind of like the lazy wiggle thing. That's yeah. that's totally me. Wiggly. Wiggly. I'm a wiggly piggly. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. I feel like it's time we, we go we just leave. Yeah. I think we'll let ourselves out. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Come again. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Love you. Thank you.